Hey, good afternoon, everyone. It's me, Dr. G, and welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G on this exciting Wednesday. Good afternoon, my friends. Hey, we are back and at it. I'm so excited to have you guys back here today. And really what we're trying to do today is make sure that we continue this discussion that we've been having. And this discussion that we've been having has been a discussion really more about just making sure that you out there who's listening to our show has been following us these last handful of weeks to make sure that we are talking about the practitioners that are out here, the practitioners that care for you, and those practitioners that are really trying to make sure that you do the best that you can with your health. At the end of the day, we want to make sure that your health is paramount. Remember the old saying, your health is your wealth. And so when we talk about that, we want to make sure again today that we're really setting the tone for wellness, especially at this time of year, the holiday season, and we're trying to do the best that we can for our families and our loved ones. So I'm just excited to bring you guys today's show on everything. Uh, again, you're listening here on Intellectual Radio. This is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing at an Edward Hospital in Naperville, Bolingbrook, Illinois. And so again, I'm just excited to welcome everybody back. Today's panel is fierce because every week the panel is fierce. And really what we want to make sure that you do this week, as we're going to be talking about the topic of pharmacy today, I just want to make sure that everybody has a plan. You know, we talk about always making sure that you have a relationship with your primary care doctor. Get your physical, making sure that you're doing well. And that's always a, a standard, and it's paramount when we're trying to do what we're trying to do. So I'm excited to welcome everybody back to the show. You can check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. So I'm excited to welcome everybody back to the show. Today's topic is my Get to Know Them series, part four, Behind the Scenes with Pharmacy. And so I am so excited to welcome a fierce panel of pharmacists, clinicians, practitioners that are really in this to help you out. So I'm super excited. And this is the last week of my Get to Know Them series. So I encourage you to check out my Facebook page, also my website, to find other episodes that we've done over the past few weeks. So uh, really, pharmacists. Just, just love it because really the reality is that pharmacists are truly integral to your care plan for the health of you and your family. So we're going to talk more today about these expert clinicians and what they're doing. And again, the panel is fierce. Before we get started, of course, I want to read you a quick disclaimer. Here we go. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So what I want to do, those of you that are new to the show, just want to welcome you welcome you to the show. Those that have stayed with us for a while now, welcome back. So each week I'm going to, each week I host a group of panel, a panelists and we basically talk about health. So without further ado, I want to just introduce my guests uh, and my guests today, I've known them for quite some time and I'm really blessed and grateful that you all are here today. And I want you guys to pay attention. This is a good story because we're going to set the record straight with the role of pharmacists in, our, in protecting our nation's health. So my first guest, I've known her for a long time, at least a decade, if not longer. Uh, but we've known each other professionally, uh, personally as well, too. I consider her my friend. Um, We've exchanged ideas on knowledge on how she sees things from a pharmacist's perspective and my perspective from a physician's perspective. So I just I, when I when I was coming on the show, I knew I just had to have her on the show. So welcome to the show, and I welcome 
Uh, Dr. Veronica Meyer, she's a PharmD, she's a pharmacist and pharmacology instructor at National University of Health Sciences, an adjunct instructor at Midwestern University, and she's a medication therapy management pharmacist for Blue Cross Blue Shield. Dr. Meyer, welcome to the store. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. G. Thanks for having me. Hey, you're absolutely welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get into pharmacy? Where did you do your pharmacy school? And kind of what do you think about today's theme of behind the scenes of pharmacists and the role that you guys play? A little bit about um, how I got into pharmacy. I, when you're in high school, you really have no idea what you're going to do with the rest of your life. So, um, so my dad actually was the one that suggested that I go to Walgreens and see if they're hiring at the pharmacy and um, got a job as a tech, as a technician, and that's how I kind of took off. And from there, I went to undergrad, got my pre-farm requisites done, and went to pharmacy school. And then um, right out of school, I did uh, went to work for Walgreens retail. Was there for a really, really long time. And a couple of years back, I uh, wanted to do a shift um, of my focus in pharmacy. Not really sure what I wanted to do. Um, I think I wanted to do more with um, patients. So I was lucky enough to get a position with uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, um, HCSC, Healthcare Service Corporation, um, doing medication therapy management um, to, with Medicare patients. And I actually do it at home. Um, I call patients and we go over their medications, how to take them, if they have any questions. Um, and it's actually been extremely fulfilling for me in this role because um, the big baby boomers, um, 65 and up, they're a big part. Um, you know, a lot of patients are having at least five or six medications that they take regularly. So it's really important for them to be aware of what they're taking. Most of the time, they don't know what they're taking, they don't know what it's for, they don't know what side effects. So we get a little bit more time with them to go over the medications because I know when they go see their primary care doctors, they're in a rush. Um, and a lot of patients have thanked me um, for the service that uh, Blue Cross and HCSC has. It's great. That's absolutely fantastic. Excellent. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Veronica, for coming on the show. My next guest, her and I met through uh, our affiliation, our, our employer, Edward Elmer's Healthcare and connected through uh, kind of what we were talking about before we got on the show about six degrees of separation and really connected with the right people and everything. So uh, I'm so intrigued by her story and what she's been doing, not only from a systems-based perspective and a hospital-based perspective, but just really how, how our minds are connected and really doing the, doing the best for our patients. So I want to welcome Dr. Lisa Hauser to the show. Uh, she's a pharmacist, system director, clinical pharmacy services, Edward Elmhurst Healthcare. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me as well. You bet. Lisa, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into pharmacy yourself and kind of how this theme of, of, of the integral role that pharmacists play, how does that apply to you on a day-to-day -day basis? So I was also like Veronica, you know, in, in high school, not really knowing where or what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, as I don't think any 17-year-old really knows. Um, and uh, went to college and in an interest in sciences um, and you know toyed with medical school versus pharmacy school um, but once I, I got a career guide from uh, one of the schools of pharmacy and realized that there was a lot to pharmacy that you know I didn't know about I didn't know that you could practice in hospitals I thought that it was going to be you know, strictly community pharmacy and so um, I think the one that intrigued me the most in that chapter was neonatal pharmacy 
um, and that kind of sold it, and, and the rest is history. Um, after graduating from pharmacy school, I did a one-year residency, um, which is as similar to what physicians do, except they do it for much longer, um, but it's an extra year of training for pharmacists who want to practice mm -hmm. in hospital, and now in a lot of different specialties, they'll do extra years of training, um, and just gave me a lot of different variety of exposures to different hospital specialties like cardiology or internal medicine or intensive care unit. Um, and so then after graduating, I got a job actually in a neonatal intensive care unit. And then after a couple of years there, I got a job at Edward as their pediatric clinical specialist. And uh, that's where I stayed for a number of years before a management job opened up. And, and then I took that. And so that's really how I came to, to where I am today. Um, and so it's, it's a leap because a lot of my specialty area is in pediatrics. Um, but it, it's been a roller coaster ride for the last <laughs> seven or eight years. Well, I like the fact that, I mean, we'll talk a little bit in a bit about some of the diversity of opportunities that are out there for pharmacists that people may not know about, but the fact that you're talking about now applying what you've learned over the years on a systematic uh, basis, which is awesome, mm -hmm. just kind of being responsible for that, which, which I think is which is cutting edge, which I love it. And we'll talk about the innovation aspect of things because there's a ton of innovation when it comes to <coughs> pharmacy. All right, thanks, Lisa, for coming on the show. My last guest, he and I have known each other for a long time, too. Actually, uh, the crazy connection that we have is that uh, our wives knew each other. So uh, so his wife, uh, 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 <laughs> Dr. Kwame Bonahene, his wife actually uh, went to undergrad with my wife. And then it turns out that your wife and myself started at Edward Hospital around the same time. And it's kind of just like this small world. And then we lived down the street from each other, which is really small. I don't know who's stalking you. Are we stalking you? Or are you stalking us? I don't know. But, but the love is real. And, and I appreciate you coming on the show. So I want to welcome uh, Dr. Kwame Bonahene, uh, pharmacist, pharmacy manager, Walgreens. Kwame, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, please tell us a little bit about your background. How did you, where did you go to your pharmacy school? How did you kind of get into this field? And really what this theme of today, uh, how, it's, how it plays for you. Okay, well, I'm originally from Ghana, born and raised. Um, I moved to the States when I was 18. Um, came, did a year of high school and went to college. You know, being from an African family, when you were growing up, well, there was always two things. Either you're going to be a doctor or an engineer, nothing else. <laughs> and uh, when I moved here and I went to college, I did biochemistry, and I realized there was you know, more to get into healthcare besides being a doctor. So um, I didn't go to pharmacy school right after undergrad. I took some time off, got into sales. Um, I actually ended up enjoying the interaction with people, helping them find whatever it is they were looking for. And then later on in life, I decided to go back, uh, um, go back into pharmacy school um, and then uh, finish my formal education. And um, when I was done, my last year of pharmacy school, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to the hospital, stay in retail, uh, and I was doing a rotation, just like what Lisa was mentioning, I'm talking about going around from different locations. I found out that working in retail, working in a community pharmacy was the best fit for me because it gave me a chance to talk to people directly, make things simple for them, help them with the improvement in their health. Um, you know, it felt much more fulfilling. So I've been with Walgreens for about three and a half years now. I work in the south side of Chicago 
driving an hour back and forth to work and still feel great. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kwame, for coming on to the show. So each week, now that you met the guests and they are credentialed, excellent clinicians, and that's one of the things we value on the show. So again, I want you guys out there, as you go through your through your health and your family, I want you to know that you know you can leverage me as a physician, but also leverage my experts as certified clinicians themselves uh, that have been in the trenches, that have been there, that are looking out for your best interest from a health perspective. So the question of the hour, and what we like to do, we always call it the chief complaint, now that you guys have met the panel, is basically, what role do pharmacists play in ensuring the health of the communities we serve? So I'm going to ask the, kind of the first question to... To, uh, I'm going to come back right at Kwame. I want to ask you that kind of question. So, you know, the typical public knows little about pharmacists, uh, and you guys do so much more. Why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about, like, you know, everybody's kind of talked about where they went to school and how they got their degree, but why don't you just talk about just some of the, the continuing education that you guys have to do as pharmacists? Because it's not like you just get your pharmacy degree and then you're done. You guys have to do continuing education. So can you clarify that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Uh, pretty much pharmacy school by itself, you're gonna, they have different programs. You can do a six year program straight from high school, six years straight, or you can, like myself, I did a four year degree, I got my bi uh, bachelor's degree, and I did four years of pharmacy. Once you're done, depending on which field you wanna go into, so if you wanna work in a hospital as a, a clinical pharmacist, you may, you will have to do a one or two years of residency. So that's in addition to the four years of pharmacy school. Now, for myself, being a community pharmacist, as soon as I, I was done with pharmacy school, just got a job with Walgreens. But every two years, you have to you do a continual education. You have to do 30 uh, credit hours. Well, it has to be certified before they will renew your license. So every, every two years, you have to keep on uh, working on your craft. In addition, you constantly have new medications coming on the market, so we have to keep keep up with them. We have new programs, um, whether it's by insurance, doing something <coughs> different, or even um, um, a lot of different things. So you have to keep on constantly. You can't just stop and be done with it and say, hey, you know what, I'm finished. Healthcare, pharmacy, it changes all the time. Lisa, why don't you tell us about, about some of the continuing education that you're doing, I mean, to piggyback on what uh, Kwame said. So we do um, continuing education, and, and I really try to ensure that the continuing education that I do is relevant to what I do every day. So, you know, there's there's things out there that may be more applicable to, um, uh, you know, more community type of pharmacy versus, you know, some of the continuing education I do might be focused on intensive care patients or oncology patients or patients who have kidney failure, just because that's, you know, kind of what we are dealing with day in and day out when we've got hospitalized patients, infectious diseases, antibiotics, anything that's new. Um, and then at the same time, what we also do, even though it's not continuing education, um, part of our role as leaders in the hospital pharmacy is that we then need to educate our staffs as well. So making sure that um, you know, if we bring a new medication into the hospital that we're going to be using, that everyone has information about it, whether it's our pharmacists, whether it's the physicians that yep. need education, um, just because no one can possibly keep up with all of this as fast and as furious as it's coming out. Well, you know, it's interesting, as you said, that you're right, we cannot keep up with this because there's so much more things coming out, new pathways on how medicines work. At the end of the day, you know, I always think about pharmacy as a way 
as, as just part of a way of just part of your overall healthcare plan for one person to be well. I mean, your pharmacist is just as part of uh, just a, as part of an uh, important part of your team as your primary care physician is. But really, what you guys are doing is really really coming up in the pharmacy industry as a whole, really coming up with ways to basically almost, ex I almost want to say it, but like extend life. You know, we're talking about things, new pathways that are, that are about anti-cancer medicines that are being used, immunotherapies, things like that. And so as a pharmacist, you guys have to be really much involved in that so that education has to keep going. You know, on the interesting side, from, from your perspective, Veronica, you're on the teaching aspect of it. And so how does this kind of like apply to you when you're thinking, like, okay, well, there's a new pathway, you're looking at different kind of disease burdens, and you're responsible for helping to educate the next generation. How do you kind of make it work? Um, so besides doing medication therapy management for Blue Cross, I also am a pharmacology instructor at National University of Health Sciences. So I teach primarily students that are in their chiropractic program um, or their naturopathic doctor program. Um, so even though the chiropractors um, don't necessarily prescribe, they still have to be sort of aware of pharmacology and how the drugs work um, if they're going to recommend, you know, natural medications to their, to their patients. And same goes for the naturopathic doctors. You know, they need to be aware. Um, so as far as continued education for me and when I do teach my classes, I do pull, like Lisa said, you know, I look for continued education that is applicable to me, um, any new guidelines that come out, for, for example, um, when I teach them hypertension guidelines, diabetes guidelines, you know, I try to look at the most current information um, as well as the most um, relevant drugs that they're going to see most commonly. Um, same thing with Midwestern, I do migraine lecture. For Midwestern, so any new medications that come out, there's two new medications that come out for migraines, which is awesome. Um, so you know, I, that's how I try to prepare my lectures, and I try to give them the most um, relevant and up-to-date information that I can, so that they're they're going to be good. Excellent. Want to go into practice. You know, it's interesting as I, as I look at you three here, and again hearing and respecting what you guys are doing. You guys, you're all doing it from a different <clears throat> angle. Which is great, and it's no different than like me as a physician, and then I have like a cardiology colleague or a gastroenterology colleague. You guys are doing it in your in your in your specific craft, but also at the same time still being part of a solution, part of a process. And so I really respect that you guys are doing what you're doing from your different angles because it just tells about the diversity of opportunities that are out there for pharmacists. So if any pharmacy pre-pharmacy students listen to us right now, listen to what they're saying because there's different pathways that, that you can take but pathways that can continue to hopefully help us to deliver solutions to the people we serve. So let me ask this question. You know, it's always interesting, and I'll ask this question right back at Veronica. You know, you and I have talked over the years on how, how you may see things from a pharmacist's perspective and me from a physician perspective, but, you know, we may look at two different problems, or sorry, we may look at the same problem, but we look from a, at two different angles, and it's interesting to kind of pick your brain on those kind of things. What's your thought, just kind of general question, I'm going to ask this down the line, but what's your thought of just the general health of our country, I mean, the general, the general health of the people that we serve, um, in relation to chronic disease burden. What are you seeing from like a from like a pharmacist perspective? Where are we going with this? Because I know from a medical perspective, the chronic disease burden is only going higher and higher and higher. Yeah. But I also get your perspective on that. Um, I, here we kind of agree. I think um, you know disease states and patients seem to be having more and more problems. Um, and there, I personally think that there is a problem with overprescribing, not just, you know, pain medications, but medications in general. Um, 
I've seen um, some physicians prescribe a medication to treat uh, adverse, event, adverse effect, which um, to me that's, you know, try to take out the one drug that's causing the problem, substitute it for something else that will do the same, and try, you know, not to give the patient more medicine, try to cut back on the medication. So I'm with you on the whole healthcare system and how our health is, it's becoming a big issue. Yeah, we've, yeah. Got, we've got to do more, but this is a forum for this to happen. And so, again, I'm glad to give the kind of forum to you guys today and say, hey, you know, you guys are still part of the team. You guys are, you've always been part of the team, but how do we continue to move the needle from like point A to point B when we're dealing with rising disease burden. Lisa, let me ask you this question. From your perspective, you know, being in the hospital setting and you're seeing people come in with chronic, with exacerbations of chronic disease, they're presenting that way. What's your kind of think thought process on how, you know, are there things that we can do as you, as you wear your pharmacist hat, things that we should be doing better to maybe just educate our communities better? I think the one thing that stands out to me is it, it takes a village, um, but we all need to be delivering the same message. So every patient is kind of hearing the same thing from their physician, from their pharmacist, from their advanced practice nurses, from their specialty pharm uh, physicians as well. Um, that's, that's one of the key pieces. When they start hearing mixed messages from all of us, we've lost their trust. And so, and, and I think the other thing too is that we're starting to realize, um, you know, that, that patients are doing their own homework. We're no longer, you know, they're not accepting us at our word. And we are also fighting, or combating, I should say, um, maybe some misinformation that's out there. Um, and so that's why I say it really takes a village because you never know what they're hearing on the outside compared to what we're telling them on the inside. One of the biggest things, though, I think is that a lot of it just comes full circle. A lot of your chronic disease conditions are all related to one thing, you know, whether it would be obesity, so we've got COPD problems and we've got diabetes problems. Um, but I guess the message that we really need to be sending out to patients is it's not too late to make a change. Um, and also then starting with the next generations is, is how do we deliver a different message to them to prevent them from getting there. Excellent. I always struggle, struggle at the time with my patients when I, when I see a lot of chronic disease burden and then you're seeing it in younger and younger people. But, you know, when I was 21, I felt like I was the king of the world. Let's, let's, all, let's not, you know, energy for days and ah, if you get injured or something like that, you can bounce right back from it. But, but, the, but the challenge that I find myself is how do I create that urgency in those populations that are at risk. They may not know it yet because they might feel young and invincible, but how to create that urgency and this is hopefully a way to try to do that. Mm -hmm. Kwame, what's your thoughts on like the chronic disease burden that's going on in this country? Um, definitely going to agree with it. Everybody here on the burden that is putting on us, not just on the physical, you know, the individuals, but also cost. Um, one of the things that, as a community pharmacist, I, uh, I kind of I try to pride myself in is um, we have to take at each patient that we see and just uh, look at them globally, not just what they came in, in there for. So somebody might be coming in every, every, uh, every month picking up their diabetes medication. Um, you see them coming to pick up their medication, but is that all you see when you see that patient? You know, what is it that you can do to help the patient deal with their clinician, make sure they don't, just like what Veronica said, they are related. We don't want to have a situation where um, you have one disease state, we don't do anything else to kind of look at the source and try and help the patient with it. 
and then it keeps piling up. So, I, number one, you're gonna be helping them, you know, with their medication, how to dose them if they have issues with it, how to uh, adherence, you know, making sure they take that decision, their medication. Um, but are you looking at diet? You know, what is it that they are doing that is causing all these issues? Are we looking at physical activity? I mean, so as a community pharmacist, that's one of the things I, I always try to make sure I stress with, to the, my patients is uh, you have to do more than just take your medication and feel that it's going to take care of it. It's going to contain or uh, treat the medication, the, the disease that you're in. You have to do more from a lifestyle perspective. So we have to be more, do more in terms of talking to them about diet, uh, have discussions with them about what they are eating, things that they can do differently that maybe might not completely fix the chronic disease state that they have, but to make sure that we don't keep piling on, on other issues. You know? So, um, yeah, until we all take it, each individual uh, practitioner, take it seriously and take each patient as, an as a global, global, uh, globally and work on helping them, we're still going to have to you know, keep dealing with uh, this burden. Yeah, we, um, you know, as a, as a society, certainly now the conversation is we talk more about prevention, prevention, prevention. The reality is that prevention is very slow to, to have that kind of change because the reality is we still live in a disease-based society. And a lot of us don't enter the medical system, the health system, until we are sick. And so, you've, and then you may look back and say, oh, well, oh, maybe I should have done this, but the reality, that's how it is. And so it's hard sometimes for people to understand, like, hey, if we're not changing the, the, the narrative now while you're younger and actually practicing what we preach of prevention, then you will end up with this condition. You will be more likely to do things. It's like if you're going to drive your car without a seatbelt, uh, over and over again. At some point, you might get in a car accident and you might fly outside the window. And so we're talking about really having a way to uh, soften the blow, so to speak, if we're doing the right things. You like my uh, my car analogy, by the way? Uh, so what we're talking about, trying to soften the blow while you speak by wearing the seatbelt. And the seatbelt, of course, is is senior primary care doctor. Working with your pharmacist if you're on medicines. Working with whoever's part of your healthcare team to make sure that, that, that everything's insured. You know, we are, we are very risk-averse as people, uh, but a lot of times there's still risk going on, and you may be risk averse as a person in, in mindset, but in reality, they actually, be, they actually might be more of a risk taker, just not knowing it, knowing it. So I think this is fascinating. So let me ask you this, I wanna ask this question to Lisa. So the month of October, this year, uh, was National Pharmacist Awareness Month. I gotta give a shout out to the pharmacist, so it's awesome, and that's the reason why I wanna do the show, to piggyback off of the national conversation of pharmacists being part of this. So let me ask you this, you know, you, you started out in pediatrics and now you're doing more management stuff, but how has pharmacy evolved for you, in a general speaking, since you did your pharmacy schooling? There's certainly a lot more medications than there are. <laughs> that you had to rack your brain over, of course. <laughs> so um, there's, you know, I, I guess there's just a lot that has changed. Um, you know, when you think back to how guidelines have changed over the years, when you think back to the new medications that, you know, are go-tos before and now, you know, they might be third or fourth line, um, that's changed a lot. So pharmacists are, are going to have to be keeping up with that. 
Um, but in addition, I think that clinical pharmacy, at least in the hospitals, has really taken on a, a role of its own. Um, so for instance, we have um, an opioid crisis going on right now. So there are things that pharmacists can do um, to you know, help manage pain um, versus thinking back when I first came out of pharmacy school, it was almost as if we were, you know, we didn't want patients to be in pain, so we were over-prescribing it. It was one of those things that, you know, no patient should ever experience pain, so you were pushing pain medications at them, and now we're sitting here going, well, is there other options that we can do? You know, at the hospital, we're talking about doing virtual reality for patients who have pain, or um, essential oils, or, you know, warm massages, or warm blankets. Um, so so there's, there's a lot of different things that have transformed from that. Um, and just, you know, the, the role that we have within the healthcare team has changed tremendously. I think that more and more as younger physicians are coming out of school, you know, all they've ever known is having a clinical pharmacist on their team, which is nice because then they really do kind of defer to us and ask us for questions. Because again, there is a, a limit to what everyone can know and do um, at any given time. And so the medication piece is a piece that we can, we can take and we can own. And, and hopefully do well. I like that integrative aspect because actually when I was in training, we didn't have that uh, where you have a pharmacist actually on your rounding with you seeing patients in the hospital. That was not a luxury that I had at the time, and I'm glad that some of the narrative has changed and these opportunities are out there to really make it, because again, as you said earlier, Lisa, it takes a village. And I can't know, I try to know as much as I can as a physician, I can't know everything. We're, we're human. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, 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 we try to make things ex an exact science but the reality is that is that it's not always so, and so I like how the integrative models there. You know, my interest, my interest, interesting uh, interaction, and I know Veronica, you and I can chat about this all day. But since we've known each other professionally for a while, you know, I can bounce medication ideas off of you. But we've still had kind of like a, you know, you're not necessarily in the room with me. What's your thoughts about maybe better collaboration between physicians and pharmacists? How do we make it not so siloed? You're doing what you're doing, I'm doing what I'm doing. How do we make it more integrative to, to kind of piggyback on what Lisa's talking about? Well, they, I mean, at the hospital, yeah. um, like Lisa said, they are doing rounds. So yeah. the pharmacists are rounding with the, the doctors, which um, when, you know, we were in school 20 years ago, and like you said, mm -hmm. you know, that wasn't seen. So when we started practicing, you would make a suggestion to a doctor, and, and they would look at you like... You know, they'd be like, no, I'm going to decide what I'm going to give, <laughs> you know. Um, and the way healthcare is going, you know, it's like when you and I um, discuss things, um, it should be that way. Yeah, it should be that way. Because, um, you know, the physician is the expert in the diagnosing and, you know, um, the patient and what is wrong with them. And then we went to school because we're the, the experts in the medications. So we should all work together. Um, when I, I did one rotation when for my PharmD, was down south, and my preceptor, she actually had a collaboration with a doctor where she would see follow-up patients for the doctor for diabetes, cholesterol, and hypertension. So instead of seeing the primary care doctor when they would come back for refills, the pharmacist would see them. And, you know, cholesterol check their labs, you know, high blood pressure check where they're at, and if they had to do some adjustments, you know, they would have that agreement where the pharmacist could adjust you know, based on what the physician was comfortable with, um, the medication. So I think that's kind of where it's going to be going, I, honestly. I like it. Ideally, in a you primary know. care practice, I would love to have a pharmacist embedded in my practice because I think it can keep another resource to go from there because you're right, managing these complex medications 
people have more and more chronic conditions. They're, 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 those chronic conditions are being uh, managed with powerful medicines, but there may be potential interactions. And, and I count on you as pharmacists. Of course, I try to do what I can from my perspective, but I count on you guys as pharmacists uh, to help make sure I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm not mixing anything wrong, but also that you guys really understand the human body as well, too. I think that's an unheralded kind of thing, or an underappreciated kind of thing of what you guys do, is you guys do have a very good working knowledge, experts-level knowledge of the human body. And so the physiology and the pathophysiology. And so, again, I, 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 just, I just like talking that's why, about this That's kind of why thing. I think yeah. for your practice, yeah. Rather than uh, you know having to see a patient back for refills every year, if they're stable, you know they could see uh, uh, you know clinical pharmacists, you know review their medications, any questions, um, review their refills, any adjustments if needed. If there's anything else beyond that, anything new, obviously they would have yeah, to see their talk. primary care. Exactly. But it frees you up to see more critical cases. Absolutely, I would say practicing at the top of your license—that's something that we talk about right. in our practice all the time. So that's wonderful. Kwame, let me ask you this question. Because again, we're getting to know you. This is the get to know you kind of series. Now you guys got you now those of us that have been listening and watching. It's like now you hear their stories a little bit. But let's get a little deeper to that. So, Kwame, here we go. Yeah. I want to ask you this question: What is the most rewarding part of your job? Wow, that's. Uh, I put you on the spot. Right, definitely. <laughs> you know, it's funny you ask me that because it seems that every day when I uh, put on my coat and I walk out of the pharmacy. And, uh, you know, there seems to be a sense of fulfillment, I should say. But probably the biggest thing will be when a, a patient comes in there, whether they came in to drop off their prescription or they, they, it was sent to them, and uh, they walk in, they have no clue where to start. You know, my doctor sent me a prescription, I'm just going to pick it up. And, and you, uh, you've gone through all the... Because going from the moment the prescription is given to the patient, to where we give the medicine to them. It's a, a series of steps that we go through. We have to you know, get the medications ready, we go through insurance, and uh, where I work at, uh, the south side of Chicago, that is not always uh, an easy route. You know, people will come in, they have no clue what insurance they have, they don't even know if they have insurance. So a lot of times you, you're gonna stop, you're gonna uh, um, call the insurance company, you, you, you sometimes you're looking for um, overrides, you, you do a lot of things to make sure that at the end of the day you can give the medication to the patient and they're going to look you in the face and say, you know what, thank you very much, I appreciate it, for the least amount of money as possible. It's <laughs> always about the least amount of money. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that. that's, that's the, important. Right, that's very important <laughs> because regardless of, the patient can go and see the physician, they'll get, dispense the medication, go through everything. If they can get access to that medication and start taking it, they might as well stay home, yeah. right? Yeah. So that for every every day I'll see about two, three hundred patients, and I might not interact with all of them. I might interact with maybe thirty, forty of them, but just to know that each person that I took care of, they get what they came for. They were satisfied. They were happy. They they were thankful, and we, it's a starting process of something that's gonna eventually make them whole, that, that alone makes me feel good when I go to bed at night. Excellent. Lisa, tell me about purpose. Uh, you know, what's the most rewarding part of what you do? Well, I don't have patient care um, experience just because being in management now um, and in hospital, we don't really see the patients on a day-to-day -day basis. But participating in a lot of the different committees that I sit on on the hospital, 
um, we're able to make recommendations um, for patient care on a more global level. Um, and so for me, it's pretty rewarding when I'm sitting around the table with a lot of really smart physicians and nurses in the room, and they turn to me and say, well, what do you think about you know, the medications? Um, and so I think for me, the most rewarding part is really having those relationships with the physicians and the nurses and you know, just all the different people that I work with in the, in the hospital, whether it's the respiratory therapists or physical therapy. Um, you know, because I think we as a team, again, are the village, and we're, we're doing the best that we can every single day to ensure that we're taking care of the patient. Excellent. Veronica, what's the most rewarding part of, the, of your job that you do as a pharmacist? Um, well, when it comes to the medication therapy management is when I have patients say, oh, my God, I've learned so much from just talking to you for half an hour. Awesome. You know, I've gotten so many thank yous, and then as far as teaching goes, when I, I can, I can, I was smiling because I, my, one of my classes, two of my classes just finished the head finals. And when I look at their grades and they, you know, they did very good on their finals, I smile because it's like, I'm, I'm responsible for them learning this information. I'm responsible for, you know, getting them going on their career. So it's just, it's, it's a different kind of rewarding when it comes to students and I love it. Um, so um, I absolutely love both, both things that I do. I like it and being part of something being part of a yeah. process, so yeah. it's always satisfaction. You know, yeah, it's innate satisfaction. We're not asking for glory. Uh, and I would say, if you're if you're going into a career for the glory and all that kind of stuff, you're probably picking the wrong career. You know, we're still a lot of us, and anybody in healthcare, a lot of us. I still try to believe that that most of us go into our careers for the, just the passion and the purpose of doing so, and not asking for rewards as a return. We're truly in it to help people. So let me ask the flip side. Veronica, I'm coming right back at you. What's the most frustrating part about your job? Putting uh, you on the spot. No, yeah. Um, well, as far as um, medication therapy match goes, um, the frustrating part is that you know, I'm making phone calls to patients, and sometimes they're not very receptive, and they're like, "I don't need, I don't need your help. I have my doctor, my 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 community pharmacist helps me. I don't need your help." Click. You know, and that's very, not very, it doesn't happen very often. They're usually very perceptive um, and they're very grateful. And then as far as the teaching aspect is trying to be able to um, present the information because there's a lot of information that they have to know in pharmacology um, in a way that they'll understand it. So what I try to do um, is present it in different ways. So not only lectures, but videos and interactive tools that I use. Um, so that's a little frustrating or when they don't pay attention in class. Um, well, you're, you're, you know, you're an instructor, so, right. so, <laughs> so the kids um, might be on their smartphones. But, you know, right, lecturing. so for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, it's just um, the frustrating part is minimal okay. from what I do. How about you, Lisa? You know, you're doing something with systems. You know, you set up protocols, policies. You know, what happens if things might not work out? I mean, is that, is that, is that something you take, you take to, I mean, obviously you don't take anything for granted, but is that something that's important that sometimes can be frustrating or if you or if you find a roadblock on something that you're trying to implement? There are. I mean, between going between two different hospitals, it is sometimes difficult just to get consensus um, from, you know, some perspectives. But honestly, um, that's easy compared to one of the most difficult things that we in hospital pharmacy are dealing with is, is medication shortages. Um, you know, it, on any given day, we are not able to get the medications that people need. Um, and it has a lot to do with, you know, um, just them not being in the supply chain. 
um, last year in September, the hurricanes that Puerto Rico um, experienced wiped out a lot of uh, drug manufacturing plants. Um, and so a lot of medications were, were just largely unavailable. And so um, you had a lot of people spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to get people the most basic of medications. Um, and we're not a third world country. You know, this is the United States. You would think that you would not be having to face those issues. Um, but that's that's things that we, re that's our reality day in and day out. That's an unknown, uh, obviously unknown thing that, uh, I, certainly as a physician, I was aware of um, a lot of the supply chain that happens that happened at that time in Puerto Rico that still was part of our so that we our society our system that we don't take have this kind of conversation and so I'm glad you brought that up because that certainly affected how your ability to implement strategies at that point it absolutely did I mean things are changing on a day-to-day -day basis on a week-to-week -week basis um, you know and, and it's not easy to make those changes just because with the computerized and technology you know to switch from one drug to another is is not as simple as having a physician change what they write it is you know everything's hardwired in the background and so um, it just it, it did not allow us to be very nimble at times when we really needed to be able to make a very efficient and quick change all right Kwame what's the most frustrating part about what you do um, as a community pharmacist, probably the biggest thing will be uh, dealing with uh, the insurance companies. That's uh, that's always uh, a tough one because that's me too. I mean, <laughs> that's mine too uh, everybody, everybody can still probably deal with that yeah. uh, to an extent. So um, you know, you you come in, you're doing everything you can. You on the phone with them. You're trying to get a medication from 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 the pills to the patient, from the bottle to the patient. You know, just at the least amount of money out of there. And um, you, you get hit with roadblocks after each one after the other. And um, it gets frustrating because here you are just willing and just doing everything you can. And sometimes it's just communication, just a simple uh, uh, no, no getting the doctor's office to call on something or insurance is not covering this particular medication. But you as a a practitioner, you know how much the patient needs it. And, uh, you know, perfect example, you know, by last week I had a patient come in, seizure medication, that uh, insurance will not, the co-pay the patient could not afford it. And uh, the cheapest one, the, the doctor said it's not going to work for. So here you are, you know what will happen to the patient if they can't get their medication. They can't afford it, you know. Yes, it's not an insurance company's fault. They have formularies. Some medications cost more than others. But it, it gets frustrating when you can't get what the patient needs to do. You know? Well, thank you for giving us some more insight. Again, this is real talk. It was a real conversation that I think that we need to have. Where, you know, at the end of the day, there are some roadblocks and what we're trying to do to help our patients out. But at the same time, you know, there's some inherent, obviously, the inherent rewards as well, too. So I want to ask this. I want to kind of change it up a little bit. So a number of months ago, I introduced a concept called Myths versus Facts here on 2 with Dr. G. And again, you're listening live on intellectualradio.com as well, too, and watching us on Facebook. Um, but I introduced a concept called Myths versus Facts. So without further ado, we get the pharmacy version of Myths versus Facts. So here's how it works. I'm going to say a statement, and then I'm going to pick on one of my panelists. They're either going to say myth or fact and give us a reason why. Here we go. Veronica, since you're sitting next to me, you get to go first because you're sitting the closest okay. to me. So that's just how it is. So here we go. Myth versus facts on T-Earth with Dr. G. Here we go. Here's a statement. All right. 
If pain or discomfort persists or worsens, it's okay to take more than the prescribed dose of a medication. Oh my god, that's so funny because I was actually talking to somebody about, they asked me a question about a leave. And they're like, is there a max you can take on a leave? I'm like, what happens if I take too much? I'm like, well... Let me start. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, more does, more does not necessarily mean better because anything that you take, whether it be medicine, herbal, anything that you put in your mouth, you're introducing it into your body. And it not only can it cause a benefit, like reducing a headache, but it will also cause toxicity. So um, the more you take, you know, the sometimes can lead to, you know, liver problems, kidney problems. So it's a myth. Thank you. All right. Next statement for Lisa. Here we go. Here's a statement. If I feel well, I can skip my medication. If I'm not, if I'm really not feeling well, then I can take more than the label says. That is a myth as well. <laughs> and like <coughs> said, you know, you can't just take more to, you know, make yourself feel better. Um, and you can't just not take it when you're feeling okay. Um, you know, the medications are intended to, the, the way that drugs work is they need to get to what we call a steady state in the body. So you want to get to a steady amount of that drug in your blood system so that it exhibits its effect so that you don't have these ups and downs, whether it's your blood pressure, whether it's your blood sugars. Um, and when you skip the medications or when you kind of ping pong like, like that, um, you're actually creating more harm. Um, and making it more difficult to treat your chronic disease condition. Excellent. Kwame, here we go. Miss versus facts. Here's a statement. Pharmacists just count pills all day long. <laughs> now, that's uh, definitely <laughs> a myth. Okay, so uh, just to talk about a community set setting, counting pills is just one thing that we do, right? The reason why we count it is we have to get it to you. If we don't want to give you more, we don't want to give you less, right? But... <laughs> In community pharmacy, we do a lot more, you know, whether it's uh, MTMs like Veronica does, we call patients, make sure their medications, um, they, are not, they are not duplicates, they are taking it to, the, the, to provide the best outcome. Uh, we do a lot in consultation. If you have any questions about your, the disease that you are treating or your medication, we do that. Um, smoking cessation. So if you want to, you don't know where to start, you can come to the pharmacy, a pharmacist will sit down with you, and they, they will discuss, um, you know, what products that will work for you. If you need uh, dietary supplementations, we, we go over that with you. Self-care. You know, right now, the weather has changed. We have a lot of people walking around, you know, they have a cough, they have a cold, they come out there. Pharmacists will go out there and they will show you what medications are best for, for, for you to take. If you um, when to see your primary care physician or and there is something that you feel that you didn't understand, you can call your local pharmacist. Pharmacists will take the time and go over it with you, whether it's about the, medic, the disease you went in there for or even for medication or something that you don't understand. You can get up and go to the doctor's office uh, every uh, week to go and check your blood pressure. You come to the pharmacy, we take care of that for you. Your immunizations, yep, you guys take do care it. of that. Yep. So we do a whole lot, a whole lot more. Excellent. Thank you for dispelling that myth. Here we go, Miss vs. Facts, Veronica. Here we go. Uh, my here's a statement. My pharmacist doesn't need to know about over-the-counter medications or vitamins. Only prescription medications. Well, that's a huge myth. 
<laughs> Pretty much. By the way, you know that these are all myths, by the way. I just throw it out there for everybody yeah. to understand. Uh, we're always going to say myth. Yeah. Right. So um, a lot of the patients that go to the pharmacy just because they think that it's over-the-counter or it's an herbal or a natural medication that it's safe. Going back to what I said previously, anything that you take, prescription, non-prescription, natural medicine, herbal supplement, anything that you take um, but can have a positive but also can have a negative effect on you. It can be toxic can interact with certain medications, especially patients that are on blood thinning medications. A lot of the herbal medications will interact with a lot of the uh, anticoagulants or antiplatelets. So if you, my advice is that if you have to get something over the counter, go see your friendly pharmacist at Walgreens yes. and he will help you make sure that you're not having any type of major interaction that you know will either increase the levels in your blood or decrease the levels in your blood. Excellent, thank you Veronica. Uh, here's one uh, for Lisa. Here we go. Antibiotics are the right remedy for all acute infections. That's a myth. Some acute infections are viral, and antibiotics don't work against them. Um, and overuse of antibiotics will lead to resistance of those bacteria. Um, and then what we are faced with is a lack of ability to treat infections. Um, because we're starting to see resistance patterns in some of those bugs. Those bacteria are pretty darn smart, smarter than us, smarter than the, the drugs that we use to treat them. And so we really want to minimize the amount of times that we're using antibiotics when it's not necessary. Excellent. Thank you. And we'll do the last one here for Kwame. I saved this one for you because why not? I like this one. So myth or, myth or fact, Kwame, here we go. This is a common thing that I get asked by patients, but maybe you can give us a little more clarity. So here we go. Medications are best stored in the bathroom or near the kitchen sink. What's your thoughts on that? Well, that's uh, one of the places you don't want to store them. Because as we already know, uh, when you are in the bathroom and take a shower, what do you produce? A lot of steam. Absolutely. Right. And uh, medications, you know, if you leave them out there, eventually steam, heat, all the uh, conditions that are will cause them to eventually break down. So um, just keep them in a dry place, uh, normal room temperature, not, not in your bathroom, not in your kitchen. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. So we've got about five minutes left, guys. So we've been talking a little bit, well, we've talking a lot, not a little bit, but talking about, again, the nature of what you guys do, the diversity of what you guys do, too, the uniqueness of it all, uh, but still having a central message of doing a service for our fellow patients and clients and customers that come in. But I want to do this. You know, so we talked about at the beginning of the show, the chief complaint, again, what is the role of pharmacists and how pharmacists play such an integral role in ensuring the health of our, of our nation. Uh, so at the end, we always talk about the assessment and plan. So somebody comes in and sees us. We did the chief complaint. Now we're going to wrap it on up. So I want to do this. I want to start with Kwame. We'll bring it closer to me. But Kwame, why don't you give us a few take-home points you know, what is it that you want to know? What is it that you want to convey to our listening audience about the role of pharmacists? So, a very simple, and I'm not going to be, when, when it comes to healthcare, just like uh, we've been talking about, it takes the village. The, probably the most accessible healthcare practitioner you're going to see in your community is going to be start with the pharmacist, right? They, every corner you're going to see a pharmacist you can easily walk in there to them. You don't have to make an appointment. So my main thing will be any, anything that you're not sure about, dealing with your health, any question, 
just pick up the phone. We will pick it up. Just call. Just ask. You know, and um, and that's that's where it starts. Excellent. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Kwame. Lisa, give us a couple take-home points about the importance of what you do in the role of pharmacists. I think what Kwame said is is pretty much dead on. Um, your pharmacists are really accessible, um, and they can help you. Um, for us in the hospital pharmacy, I say to the physicians and nurses and anyone who has a question about drugs, pick up the phone. <laughs> we can help you. Excellent. Veronica, I want to give us a couple take-home points about this message of today. So, um, not only to agree with what um, both Lisa and Kwame said, but not only is it important for us as physicians and practitioners and pharmacists to all work together, the patient has to also participate. So, we can give you 50%, but you have to give me 50%. And that way, we can all, you know, come out the other side, a success. Excellent. My kind of take home points for this, you know, pharmacists spend, uh, spend their time counseling, educating patients on their conditions, on their health, I mean, and really on this pathway that they're on in life. And I, I appreciate pharmacists as part of my own ex, uh, extension of the team, not, not just me being a clinician in the office and a physician seeing patients. Your role is so vital to what we're doing. And really, the fact that you guys can really have this integrative approach and really helping me do my job better is something that I don't take for granted, and I don't want anybody out there to take that for granted. We're all trying to move the needle. We're all trying to provide a service, and we're all trying to make sure that you and your family are as healthy as possible. And so all these activities are vital. You guys are vital, and I want you guys to know that, and I appreciate it. And I know that the people out there listening to us and watching us today uh, certainly have gained an appreciation of what you guys do as pharmacists. So I thank you all for coming on to the show. So I want to thank my guests, Veronica Meyer, uh, pharmacist, pharmacology instructor at National University of Health Sciences and adjunct instructor at Midwestern University, medication therapy management pharmacist at Blue Cross Blue Shield. I want to thank Lisa Hauser, pharmacist, system director, clinical pharmacy services at Edward Elmhurst. Healthcare and Kwame Banahene, pharmacist and pharmacy manager at Walgreens. You've been listening and watching live on Facebook and intellectualradio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez, MD, and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Stay tuned for my next episode in three weeks, everybody. It's a little bit of Christmas holiday. In three weeks, we're going to be doing launching my Women's Health Series Part 1, Nutritional and Fitness Foundations. Have a safe holiday season. Merry Christmas, everybody, and peace out.